Hello and welcome to the March Executive Challenges Town Hall, sponsored by Cirrus Business Group. I'm here with Coach Judy Harris, who is one of our executive coaches and trainers and actually is the VP of our uh, human capital optimization uh, practice. And really, uh, that group does all the stuff with organizational alignment, organizational health, and many of the things that we're going to be talking about today. My name is Chris Reese. I'm the president and founder of Cirrus Business Group. And today we are going to begin a multi-part series on organizational health. And this week we're going to begin a conversation on what in the world is organizational health, why should it matter to you as a business executive, and what is the impact of organizational health on your company, and particularly on the, the financial performance of the organization. So uh, that is our topic, our topic for this week, and I w- want to start out uh, one of the great resources that we use in our organization, Judy, is uh, Patrick Lencioni's uh, book, The Advantage. And he does a great job, I think, of taking a very complicated subject and making it simple, or at least putting some convenient handles on it, uh, and and puts it in a way that I think most people can understand and get. I agree, Chris, and most of us who have been out here for any length of time have managed to live through some experiences with very unhealthy organizations, and we could probably go on for hours and hours about what's unhealthy about them, but I'm not sure we could actually explain what a healthy organization is, and as you said, Patrick Lencioni put it very succinctly in the in his overview of organizational health could you go ahead and just read that for us yeah let's Chris? talk about that uh, let's let's get a baseline when we talk about organizational health i'm just going to quote patrick lencioni because this is this is our working definition it's all about making a company function effectively by building a cohesive leadership team establishing clarity amongst those leaders communicating that clarity to everyone within the organization and putting in place just enough structure to reinforce that clarity and make the whole thing sustainable so that the organization is is reinforcing what it claims to want. Absolutely. So expand that a little bit for us, Judy. You know, what areas of the organization does organizational health impact? Well, it actually impacts every part of the organization, but when you get to the bottom line, it's the financial picture that is the most impacted because everything funnels down to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And an unhealthy organization is going to be spending their money, time, and energies in a lot of unproductive ways that when you look at the bottom line, it's reflected in a lack of cohesiveness, lack of clarity. I mean, there's any number of ways this can be measured. And you know, Chris, some people say this can't be measured, and I disagree with them. I do too. Uh, One of the things that Pat brings out in The Advantage is three biases that I think is real important to share with our listeners. 
that get in the way of being able to implement this model. Uh, the model is so simple, and uh, it doesn't really cost anything. You probably should get some external help to to help you implement it because that third-party perspective is is valuable. And sometimes paying somebody to call you out on things and have that accountability uh, is exactly what the organization needs. But, you know, it's certainly something that if you wanted to, you could implement these things on your own. Uh, but there's three biases Pat brings out that really stand in the way of, of most people doing this effectively. And the very first one is the sophistication bias, especially if somebody's been around business very long. Uh, these things are so simple that uh, the normal attitude is, well, well, surely solving this problem can't be that simple. I mean, we're a complex business. We have complex problems and, and this is way too simple to help us. Maybe somebody that's just starting out, but not us. Yeah, we're way too advanced for that. I mean, yes. look how big we are. and Look at all the people we've got here. Nothing that simple is really going to work here. A absolutely. And what we've seen in practice as we work with these organizations is most of the time the problem they're trying to solve is a symptom of something that comes right back to this model. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yep. So... Uh, so that's the first one, the sophistication bias. And the second one is something Pat calls the adrenaline bias. And this is something I'm very guilty of and, and have to catch myself on. And that is we get so busy with the, the work of the business and um, that we don't sometimes pause to think, should we even be doing this work? Why is this important? And uh, secondly, you know, am I spending enough time on the business to make sure that we're doing enough of the right things and that we're still headed in the right direction? And it, it can be a challenge, especially yep. if you're, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the DISC personality styles, that high D, mm -hmm. it's very driven, or the high I. Uh, it feels like, to me, uh, as a D... The thing that I had to overcome was it felt like I was wasting time. It was an indulgence that I questioned whether I could afford to be able to sit, sit still or, or take a walk or go play a round of golf and just think about, are we doing the right things? Where do we need to be moving and, and doing the strategic part of the business? Absolutely. And what that reminds me of in my head, the vision is the Energizer Bunny. You're moving and moving and moving and going and going and going, but are you going anywhere? Right. Really? Right. Are, where Where are you going? I don't think the bunny knows. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so important because, uh, as you conveyed to one of our clients, um, you know, uh, a while back, so many times we just think that the answer to our problem is to do more of the same stuff faster. Mm -hmm. And... If, if we're not doing the right things, that really just compounds the problem. Right, and that can come up with any of the personalities. I go back way long, and most people might not remember this, but the show Wagon Train. Moving, 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 and it's always moving. Are you going in the right direction? Right, right. <laughs> so that's this adrenaline bias. Right. And, and the, that, really the concept behind that, folks, is, is stepping back and 
realizing that this is important stuff and that if you're too busy to worry about it now, then when are you going to do it? Right. You have to make time to do it. And the busyness is always going to be there. And, you know, another thing you might have to come to the realization is that, you know, you could very well be too lean to grow. And I wrote an article about that a while back. Uh, you know, maybe you just need to add some resources to free you up to do these things that are going to pay back in uh, several times over. So that's the ad- adrenaline bias. And then the last one is the one that Judy hit on, which is the quantification bias. Right. And that keeps people from moving forward with these things because they've got this misperception that it's it's all too touchy-feely, uh, you really can't quantify it, and that's just simply not true. There, There's many things that you can quantify in the process at, at all stages, and that's something that we find is important is to understand what the problem you're trying to solve is, understand what that problem is costing the organization so that you can, and then you benchmark so that you know whether you're making progress or not. What are some of the, what are some of the areas, uh, Judy, that you see direct impact of good organizational health practices in the organization? Well, of course, number one is your people, but you have to remember that people are all part of some other greater system So you really need to back up and look at the whole system as to what are the results we're getting, are they what we want, is it what we're looking for, and maybe make some tweaks in the system. And if the tweaks are about the people, then we've got another whole band of work to do Mm -hmm. in terms of who are they, how are they performing, how are they not performing, how is it being measured. Bottom line is this is not so tough to measure. If you look at your return on investment and then you look at what's our error rate, what's that costing us, how much time does it cost to fix the error, because it's usually seven times the original amount of time to do it right. Uh, Go back to an old line I heard, if you're not willing to do it right the first time, when will you be ready? Mm -hmm. So, um, And you look at uh, your throughput. Uh, is the productivity as high as it could be? Do we have the expertise we need? So if you look at all the things you're measuring, turnover, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a very hot topic right yeah, now. Uh, it's expensive. It is expensive. And, and every time we see one of the polls that is, you know, what keeps you up at night, CEOs, yeah. being able to attract and retain your quality people is always right up there. Yeah, and when you actually... S- sit down and measure the cost of turnover, it's much less costly to look at it and do something about it than it is to maintain that turnover level. And Chris, you know we've been into so many places where, oh, well, I can just replace them. And they aren't looking at the cost of that in terms of, first of all, they have to be trained, and that's going to take not that person, but someone else or more to train them, so you got two to three salaries involved in just the training, and then the person may not last. Right, right. So suffice it to say there are, there are many aspects mm-hmm. of this uh, the organizational health um, that impact the organization from a revenue standpoint. Think about the companies uh, Fortune just came out with 
this month, their 100 best companies to work for. Uh, the prior month, it was the most admired companies in America. And you look at the companies on those lists, and there's a high degree of correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. And think about the type of talent that's lining up to work for those organizations. And would you want that in your organization? Most of those companies are also performing extremely well financially. And one of the reasons they're performing financially is greatness attracts greatness. And so people want to do business with those organizations because they're a good, solid organization. The experience is good. And those organizations are operating oftentimes a lot more efficiently than their competitors because their people are more productive because they feel valued. And then the last aspect is really something that strikes uh, in the area of sustainability. And I don't necessarily mean green initiatives. I mean, can your business sustain a competitive advantage in your marketplace? And if you don't have a healthy culture, you're going to struggle with innovation. And if you can't innovate, you're not going to be able to be competitive. Right. And you said a word a little while ago, the word lean came up. And I want to make it clear to our audience, there is a big difference between lean and efficient. You can get too lean, and yet you can run fairly lean if your efficiency is there, your mistakes are down, and your turnover is lower. So we really need to clear that distinction between just plain lean and efficient. That's right. That's right. I, I think that there was, uh, in, in the lean implementations that I've seen, oftentimes what gets overlooked is there was a whole part of that Toyota management model that involved culture. Yes, yes. And the cohesiveness mm-hmm. uh, and the belonging and the uh, feeling valued, all of those things that were there and what we did as we westernized that whole thing is we took it and we just looked at it strictly from a cost and efficiency standpoint how do we drive anything that does not add value to the final product out how do we operate at the absolute lowest cost and in doing that what we've done is we've set up organizations that are not sustainable Because you cannot run, uh, if people don't feel valued and the other piece is not there, you're going to start having turnover, and by definition, you're not going to have an efficient organization. Right. The first thing to go was always training and development. And if you don't have well-developed people, your systems are going to be broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So what are we going to go into in the next few weeks, Chris? There's four components to this particular um, organizational health model. There are, and Lencioni refers to them as disciplines, and I love that word mm-hmm. because the implication of discipline is it's something that you're never finished with. Right. And it's also something that you've got to be intentional about or you're going to fall away from. Uh, and so the first discipline there is creating a cohesive leadership team. Now, this starts at the top but it also pushes down through the organization. You need to have cohesiveness within each of the functional teams within the organization. 
We're going to talk about that. Uh, we may need to spend a week or two on that topic. Yeah, that one alone. Because it's a pretty, it's a pretty big topic. The second one is creating clarity. And we're going to go into creating clarity around what? In so many organizations, uh, there is just a general lack of clarity. Uh, they feel like priorities change from day to day, week to week. Uh, it's, it's a different initiative from quarter to quarter. And they're very unclear on what the company is doing and the overall direction it's headed, uh, much less how their performance is being measured. How do I know if I'm succeeding in my job? Right. Right. Where are the tools that I have to measure myself with and that you measure me with? That's right. right. And so that's another component of clarity. And then the third discipline is over communicating that clarity uh, that we're seeking to create there. And the reason that Lencioni uses the term over communicate, uh, oftentimes organizations will try to communicate. But over-communicate, at this point, it's a marketing exercise. You want to be sure that there is no doubt in anyone's mind what the organization is about, what's most important right now, and who's responsible for which components of that. And uh, they say <laughs> about the time you get tired of speaking it, they're getting it. That's exactly <laughs> right. And that's been my experience also. <laughs> right. I can vouch for that. Uh, and then that takes us to the fourth discipline, which is reinforcing clarity. And this is where you've got to look at all of the systems and processes within the organization. And are they aligned with the results that you're trying to get? Or do you have some misalignment there? Right. And if you do, get to it quickly. We've seen this. It reminds me of a story. Tell our listeners about one of the examples that we had. Uh, we've got a client that's in the remanufacturing business. And they were having an issue with error rates. And uh, the the misalignment here was that the bonus structure was all based on output. How much can you do in a given day? How many widgets can you fix in a, a, a given day? And yet their concern when they brought us in was the uh, quality control rate and the error rate of around 1%, which in my world isn't terribly high, but coming from the blood bank world, 1% can kill somebody, so I could see their point. The problem was the quality of the items was never part of the bonus structure. Right. So how many <laughs> went out with bad quality didn't matter. So we've working with this particular client to say, you got to base your bonus on how good they are is in, in, in addition to how many did you get out? Right, right. <laughs> and so that's a perfect example of a misalignment mm -hmm. uh, within that reinforcement quadrant. Right. So those are the things that we'll be talking about over the next uh, probably five to six months right. as we mm -hmm. walk through this organizational health model and we show you why it is so important. If you want to build one of those organizations that is consistently rated at the top of your game, is uh, consistently on your most admired employers list in your area, which is huge because making sure you have good talent is key to having a strong organization. And then retaining that talent once you, once you are able to uh, bring it on board uh, that's huge. And then being able to continue to innovate and be competitive and, and operate efficiently. Right. Yep. So 
this is, uh, we feel this is an extremely valuable topic, and we're really excited about the the different subjects that we're going to be going into as we dive into these disciplines over the next several weeks. So uh, we really appreciate you uh, subscribing to our podcast and listening, and we're excited, again, about the information that we're going to be going to over the next several weeks. So next week we're going to dive into creating a cohesive leadership team and what all that means and unpacking that discipline and the ramifications in the organization. And uh, who knows, we may have some special guests with us also. We sure hope so. <laughs> so so thanks again, and we will see you next month. Cirrus Business Group has been helping organizations do great things on multiple continents for several years. If you'd like to learn more about how they can help your organization, check out our website at www.cirrusbusinessgroup.com. That's C-I-R-R-U-S businessgroup.com. <laughs> <laughs>